Good morning. It is so good to see all of your wonderful faces this morning. Um, my name is Sarah Majors, and I am the senior pastor here at Open Table. Sorry, I was looking for the box that I stand on. I got shorter. <laughs> That's a little better. <laughs> a couple of announcements for your Sunday morning. Um, next weekend is Out Raleigh. It is already here. Yeah. So on next Saturday, we will be at Out Raleigh. We have a booth. I don't know the specifics of that, but I would um, talk to Jen Bassett. Jen, will you wave your hand around? Okay, cool. Um, if you have questions about sign-up, that is something that we do know how to do. Um, we have a sign-up sheet which should be found in your weekly email and should be appearing on Facebook. And it is basically just slots that people can sign up for. They're two-hour slots just to come and be at the table, wear your open table shirt, wear your pride gear, um, engage with people, hand out goodies. Um, so if you have not had the opportunity to, we encourage you to look at that sign-up sheet and sign up what time you think you're going to be there. You're welcome to stay longer, but that sign-up helps us know when we're going to have people, and if we have a block of time where no one signed up to be there, we want to make sure we cover that. And then next Sunday, we're going to be doing our Queerly Beloved service. And to give you a little bit more information about that service, it is an all-saint service, um, but it is all LGBTQ saints. Um, and it is a service that has narratives that have been written um, that tell the stories of different LGBTQ saints throughout time. And so there's a sign-up that went out this past week where you could sign up to read for one of those saints, and you don't have to write the narrative for it. I have written all of them. If you sign up, I will send that to you, hopefully by Wednesday. And you just have to show up and read it. We'll print them out. You don't have to worry about bringing your copy. You can just practice at home in your mirror and then come that Sunday and read it. So if you had issues signing up this week, I think there were some issues with people being able to access the sign up. See me after church on Sunday. This is Sunday. Um, <laughs> see me after church today. Um, and we'll get you signed up and go over those narratives. And we're just really excited about it. We're hoping to have some more guests next Sunday. And I think Phil wanted to talk to us about that. So I'm going to invite him forward. TV. I forget. I'm still learning. Uh, again, my name is Phil Farrell. I'm on the council. Um, we don't know how many people are coming, but we all know and love Sarah, so we're just thinking she's going to be the main draw, and we're going to have lots of people. So I look at things a little bit uh, differently. I look at the logistics. Since we're going to have a lot of visitors, we're asking if you can to park sort of away from the church to give the Immediate parking to the visitors, you know, trying to find a place. Uh, I'm working on getting signs to direct people. Um, you know, we're looking at maybe turning the, the, our parking lot all uh, handicapped to um, just accommodate people. Uh, we, we don't know how many, uh, but we want to be let ready. We want to show ourselves and, and, and doing the little niceties. So I'd ask if uh, next week... Be, uh, cognitive of people coming they might have questions if they're looking around where the bathrooms are where they can take their children uh things like that again we're an open community we all do it we i just it's a reminder uh maybe some extra ushers and greeters at the two doors because um you know a lot of people come in that back door and we don't usually staff it um we're just trying to put our best foot forward and uh if you have any questions run it through the um the, the church office, um, or contact me, I don't mind. Um, thank you.
find a couple of, of, of other announcements on the back of your bulletin. Um, those announcements are things about our current open market needs. I heard this week we had 15 people come into our market, and so they're pretty lowly stocked after that. Um, you'll find things about the choir, about how to participate in Sunday morning service. And now I would like to invite you to join me in our call to worship. Come to us even now, O Lord of life. We praise your name and rejoice in your love. Everyone who calls upon you will find fulfillment. Because you are God. Rejoice and give thanks. Hallelujah. And at this time, I invite you to greet your neighbor with the love of Christ.
If I could have the choir join us on stage for the singing of the congregational hymn, please. And all of you, if, if you can stand as you are able to join us in the singing of hymn 474 in your hymnal. Just Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am wrong. Storm through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me home when my way. Precious Lord, linger near when my life is almost gone. Hear my cry, hear my call, hold my hand. Lest I fall, take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me home. When the darkness appears and the night draws near, my day is past and gone. Guide my feet, guide my hand, take my hand, let me stand, take my hand, precious Lord, and be with you. Lift up your hearts. I don't know why I'm doing communion. This is such a weird Sunday. <laughs> Let us pray together, friends. God, we give you thanks for this day where we're celebrating so many things. For the celebration of Juneteenth, for the significance it holds within those in our own community and in the world. We give thanks for Father's Day, the celebration of men in our lives who have raised us up. 
We hold those in our heart for whom this day is hard because they struggle in their relationship with their father, because they have yet to know freedom, because the world is just hard right now, God. We ask that you would come into this place, that we would hear the message you have for us through song, through scripture, through prayer. And God, we ask that we would respond in the way that you are calling us, that we would continue to be people doing your work. And God, we come to you now saying the prayer which your son Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. And I invite you now to hear these words from Luke. Then they arrived at the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And Jesus stopped, stepped out on shore, and a man from the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had not worn any clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, shouting, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there in the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd stampeded down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Then the swine herd saw what had happened and ran off and told the city and all the country. Then people came to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it told them how the one who'd been possessed by demons had been healed. Then the whole throng of people and the surrounding regions of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might go with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. What is it like to live your life literally in the tombs? On a hillside exiled from community and other people. What is it like to be chained, to be held, to be bonded, and to break free from those chains only to be chained up again and again and again? What is it like to know the people who chain you? 
to know the community that sits close by, who hears your howls and your screams and your cries and do nothing. No matter how much you scream, their hearts remain unmoved. Today's scripture is one I find really disturbing, friends, for a whole number of reasons. Christians and readers of this passage often get stuck on debating what this man is in the clutches of, whether or not demons are real. Some people truly believe it is demons. This man is possessed by evil itself, that Jesus performs an exorcism. Others argue that this man is dealing with deep mental illness that the biblical world doesn't have a knowledge of, and others still argue that he is dealing with a physical ailment, something like a brain tumor that would alter his mental state. Whatever is creating this man being unwell is not the point of this scripture. The fact of the matter is, This passage is one where somebody is ostracized and deemed unlovable, where the entire rest of the world seems to have given up on him. And rather than arguing why, I think we should be wondering why. You know? The treatment of this man who is possessed is so incredibly inhumane. Regardless of what it is that possesses him, he is living in a horrific way, and that is what deeply disturbs me about this scripture lesson. He doesn't live as a person at all. Rather, he is living in the tombs. That is, he is living in caves where people are buried. He is living in a tomb much like the one Jesus' body is laid in, and he is not dead but he is surrounded by the dead. For all intensive purposes, he is dead himself. He has no friends. He has no community. If he has family, they probably don't come to visit him where he is. The dead themselves seem to be the only people not bothered by the fact that this man just exists. Not bothered by the fact that he is possessed by something. Truly, this man presents almost like a scary movie character, right? We read it and we hear about this person living in the caves amongst decaying bodies, unclothed, howling and screaming while chains rattle, off in the distance from the safe, quiet village people who need to be protected. In Mark's version of this story, we hear this man is constantly bruising himself with stones, beating himself. The scripture tells us he's unable to be restrained by chains, that occasionally he breaks free. And it would seem maybe this is the only time anyone interacts with him because at some point someone rechains him up. And I'm sure this, the people around him don't look forward to this. They probably play some version of like nose goes Who has to be the person to go chain this guy back up? The disturbing part of all of this is this is not a horror movie. This guy is not some scary monster. He's a human being. And for that, my heart always breaks. We don't know how the community feels about him. We don't get their point of view. But I would imagine, I would hope, at some point, people tried to help him. I would hope at some point people tried to take care of him. At some point his family tried to love on him. And now at this point it seems like they've given up. In fact, I think people probably find him nothing but frightening. Truly he is a monster to them. They've resigned themselves to the fact no one can help him And it seems that they don't mind it. For them, this is what's best. It's best he just live off in the tombs, in the caves, by himself, away from them. Among dead bodies, this man is constantly unclean, and at least he's not near them. 
I doubt anyone visits him. Perhaps people only make their way that way when there's someone else to bury. Maybe they leave food and water in the distance for him to find and consider that a kindness. He screams and he howls, but at this point I have to wonder if they're so used to it they don't even notice it. If they're just completely desensitized to him and they're just waiting for him to die, to be free of the burden that his existence is. What I love about this story is that Jesus seems so unafraid of this man. Jesus steps out of a boat. He's just come from healing someone else. He's doing his Jesus thing. And Jesus is approached by this man. And truly, I try to think about how I would feel about this if I were Jesus. And I cannot imagine stepping out of a boat and some man who's carrying chains behind him because he's broken free, who's completely unclothed and clearly possessed by something approaches me. I don't do well when strangers approach me in the grocery store. I cannot imagine being Jesus in this moment when this man approaches him. And that's because I am someone who frequently functions out of fear The truth is, as inhumane as this man's life is, I probably would have been just like the other people in his community. Happy to lock him away, happy to pretend he's not there, happy that he's just not in my face. Jesus, however, seems relatively unfazed by this man. Jesus doesn't seem to have any fear. And the demons, the things which possess Christ, recognize Jesus. And my guess is Jesus recognizes them. In some way, they seem like they are familiar with each other, but they weren't friends. It's like you ran into that kid that bullied you in high school 20 years later, and you know them, but you don't want to. That's kind of how this interaction between Jesus and whatever is possessing this man seems. Jesus asks him, what is your name? And he says, Legion. And the scripture tells us he tells Jesus that because many demons have entered him. He calls himself Legion, but we have to know that can't be this man's true name. Right? You don't name someone Legion. If that is what his parents named him, we probably have a different problem. (laughs) That is not who this man is. But it's all that he's identified by. In fact, in the scriptures, you might know we often refer to this man as the demoniac. And I've avoided that. Because while he doesn't have a name, we usually name him only as the man who's been demon-possessed, as the demoniac, as legion. And that's not who he is. It's just what happened to him. And by the end of the scripture, he's healed. So why do we keep calling him the one who's demon-possessed? This one thing has defined this man's entire life to the point that it's what he tells Jesus his name is. What has become of him is all of who he is, and it seems to be the only thing that defines him anymore. At a historical level, friends, a legion is what you call a Roman army unit of 6,000 soldiers. And so we have to wonder, what's going on here? This man's body is under siege. He's overrun, he's divided, he's separated, he is denied freedom, he's denied community, he's denied love. His body is a space of occupation. It's no longer his, he is in fact legion. That is, he belongs to something outside of himself. 
No one has known what to do with this man. But Jesus, not afraid, does not hesitate. He commands the legion out of this man's body. That is, he commands the occupation, the evil, the thing that denies this man of himself out of his body, sending it into pigs who throw themselves over a cliff to their death. Whatever it was that gripped this man is gone. And for the purpose of today, I'm going to skip over the conversation about 2,000 pigs dying. And we're going to skip over how incredibly disappointing that was for all of the people who made their living off of raising pigs. (laughs) There's something else at work here that's deeper and more important. And that is that this man is his own again. Grateful for what Jesus has done, he wants to hop in the boat and go with him. And I can't blame him because I'd probably want to hop in the boat with whoever did that too. He's prepared to give up everything to become Christ's disciple. And in a very confusing move, Jesus tells him no. And we know Jesus loves when people hop out of boats and give up their whole lives and get in his. So why is it Jesus doesn't want to take this man with him? Instead, Jesus sends him back to the city, back to the community that chained him up, that ignores his cries and asks him to rejoin them. Jesus asks him to go back to declare how much God has done for him. And on the flip side of that, Jesus forces this community to reconcile with this man. He forces them to realize the fear that lives in their hearts, the way in which they contributed to the oppression of this man. He forces them to accept him as a beloved part of their community. The most wild part of this whole story The most human part of this whole story isn't that Jesus healed this man. It's the reaction of the people when Jesus did it. Because we would think they would all run around rejoicing, right? Jesus did this. Jesus freed him, and instead they react in fear. Jesus heals him, and they want him to get out of town before he does it again. This story tells us deeply about Jesus' nature, and it tells us deeply about the nature of people. We are a people who are very comfortable with inhumane. We're people who are comfortable with being separated. We're people who are comfortable with others not owning their own bodies, with others being occupied by evil, with others being chained up and kept away. And we're people who find ourselves living in fear when all of that gets stripped away. The idea of living in fear of people who are different than us, of freedom being granted to those who we think don't deserve freedom, it's not new. People have always been that way. And for 2,000 years, that hasn't changed. The fear just gets redirected and redirected and redirected. There's a new body which needs to be held down and held hostage. On the flip side of that, on the opposite of the incredibly depressing news of what humanity is, there's the news of what Christ is. When I read this story, I'm aware of how horrible this man's life is. How he's held hostage in his own body, how he's a person who people point at and make fun of, how he's dismissed, how no one takes him seriously and just want him to be put away, how he's condemned to an existence that's less than human, and how Jesus looks at him and still sees him as fully human. How Jesus sets him free. This, friends, is the nature of God. 
This passage is a message of hope, hope that is so extreme it places fear in the hearts of those who aren't ready for it. The truth of God, the truth of Christ and the Holy Spirit is that they break chains. That they move against invisible forces that withhold people. That they end oppression. That they heal what we think is unhealable. That they make us uncomfortable. The truth of Christ is that he gets up close with things that make us afraid. The truth of Christ is that there's no unmovable force for him. That there's no invisible power that would withhold another person's body that he can't move against and break apart. The truth of Christ is that while this man's entire community might want him to disappear, Jesus sees the real good that needs to happen. And that is that this man deserves reconciliation. He deserves wholeness. He deserves freedom. He deserves to get to own his own body. And this community needs to get with it. That is, they need to be faced with the uncomfortable truth that this man is a part of them. They need to be reconciled with him. And friends, they need to be healed too. They need to be healed from the powers that hold them down. Healed from the things that make them okay with another human living in such an inhumane way. There is evil happening on both sides of this story. And what we often don't realize is that while Jesus heals this man's body, he heals all these people too. He forces them to look at each other, to face their fear. Forces them to see this man who they have only ever found as a monster, as someone who sits at the feet of Jesus. Jesus gives this man's life back to him. And he gives this community the gift of this man's life as a part of theirs. As they find a man that they haven't known what to do with, they also find their own shame and their own guilt. And they realize this man they hoped would die and would never have to face again is one of them. The truth of this passage is that God is a God who does this kind of work. Who sees horrible, inhumane, disgusting things that humans do. Who sees oppression and invisible forces and bodies being held and breaks all those things apart. We see a God who isn't afraid of the things that make us quiver. Who doesn't find humanity ever unlovable because it's made in God's image. This, friends, is a passage of hope. It's a passage about freedom, a passage about our very nature as people, because the truth is we still do the things that lie in it. There are still people being exiled from community. There still be people denied freedom. There's still people being denied autonomy over their own bodies. We see that happening in our government right now. There's still people who are being plagued by invisible forces whose souls are being refused. And there's still invisible forces begging Christ not to move against them. And if this passage tells us anything, it is that Christ is going to move. That we're going to find ourselves at some point in a point of deep reckoning. Where we're reconciled to each other. It tells us that when that happens, we might be inclined to fear. And that if we live in this deep hope and the knowledge that this is who Christ is, hopefully, when that fear comes our way, we might be a people who, instead of literally banishing Jesus from our land, are just okay with sitting with someone who's nearly clothed in love. 
Jesus unites communities. He heals people. He heals systems. He heals us. And that is the good news of this scripture, friends. And so it doesn't matter, truly, what it is that possesses this man, whether it be physical illness, whether it be mental illness, whether it be Satan, Satan's self. Whatever it is, Jesus moves against it. And so why are we worried? Thanks be to God. Our scripture, our... I just did that part. (laughs) Y'all, I spent four days at a church meeting this week at a conference, and my brain is so done. (laughs) At this time, I would like to invite you to join me for our communion liturgy, which is found on page 12 of our hymnal. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be... We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, God, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. And so, with your people on earth, And all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join the unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you. And blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, O God. Delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by the water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. For the forgiveness of sins, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit on your holy church. 
All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. The table is set, friends. All are welcome. As you come forward, you're invited to take a piece of the bread. We have gluten-free options if you need that. To take the cup to consume them and to know that you have been loved and brought into a community where Christ is working to set us all free. Thanks be to God. Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of liberty Let our rejoicing dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of a new day begun. Let us march on victory is won. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, felt in the days when died, yet with the steady beat held on our weary feet, come to the place for which our Father sighed. We have come over a way where the tears have been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughter. Out from the gloom we pass till now we stand at last where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far. Run the way. 
places are covered with Bless our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee, shadow beneath thy hands, may we forever stand, true to our God, true to our name. If I sent you and if you sent me an email this week and I haven't gotten back to you, I promise I'm not ignoring you. I was away on business and so I'm going to be playing catch up tonight and tomorrow. Also, wasn't our choir great today? As you may know, we started um, a choir here at Open Table a couple months ago. Nick joined us and had this vision of creating an open choir. And so if you are somebody who's like, I don't have very much free time, I can't commit to choir every week, I can commit to choir every week, but I want it to be laid back and fun, we're for you. Um, We rehearse on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. You don't have to come every week. Our goal is to have the choir perform once a month to just fellowship and sing and have joy and offer something different at different Sundays. And so if you're interested in that, please join us for that. And at this time, we are going to take up our offertory. You may place your financial offerings in the plates as they come around. We also invite you to place our Connect cards or the Care cards, which you'll find in your pew, in those as well. Should I feel discouraged? And why should the shadow come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long? Heaven and home. When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is He. For His eye 
is on the sparrow and I know he's watching me why should I feel discouraged and why should the shadow come and why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion a constant friend is he for his is on the spell and I know he watches me I sing because I'm happy I sing because I'm As always, we invite you to come back to the parlor, which is found on the other side of this wall, where there are coffee and snacks awaiting you. We ask that you go out this week and just be full of joy and happiness, that you be blessed, that you celebrate a wonderful Juneteenth, a wonderful Father's Day, and that you come back for communion, not communion, for choir. Come on back for that. And now will you please join me in our benediction. God of all creation, in Christ we are reconciled. And so we ask for uniting spirit to go forward from this place with us to help us overcome all our divisions that we may live in peace. Go in peace, friends.